Good morning. Good morning. It's nice to be here. <laughs> this is very high. How, uh, how are we all doing? It's good to see some new faces, some old faces, all very friendly faces. You're very welcome this morning. I've got the privilege of continuing in our Acts teaching series where we're working our way fairly slowly through the book of Acts. Um, we'll be here for a few years, I'm sure. Not from today, just uh, through our Sundays. But um, yeah, it's a really privilege. I do want to welcome you and I want to thank you, church family, for all you do again on behalf of the leadership team in sending and praying and encouraging uh, in doing the stuff that God's calling us to do. It's something we do together uh, and I really want to encourage you in that uh, and say thank you for your prayers, for your support uh, for us as a leadership team um, and for all that you do throughout the week uh, throughout whatever normal life looks like. Um, and today, uh, I'm hoping we get to explore together what normal life looks like, full of the Spirit of God uh, in us. So uh, I'd love to invite you to turn to Acts 2. Um, we'll read from there in just a moment. Uh, but before we do, um, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in today's reading, we encounter the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, in a way that we've not yet encountered him uh, before in this uh, Bible. We discover him being poured out over uh, all the believers gathered in Jerusalem. So we've known the Spirit at work uh, through, uh, from the very beginning of time in creation, uh, throughout the Old Testament, empowering people for specific moments or tasks, leading, guiding and protecting the people of God, uh, through pillars of cloud, uh, pillars of fire, uh, as the people of God wandered through the desert and to the promised land. It's important that we know and agree at the start, the Holy Spirit is God. He's a person within the Trinity of the Father, Spirit and Son. He's not a force or an it. He's as real as our Heavenly Father is to us. He's as real as Jesus Christ, our Saviour, is to us. We can read in John's Gospel uh, both chapters 14 and 16 of Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit. We've not got time to go there this morning, but I'd really encourage you to uh, spend some time this week just reading through John chapter 14, John chapter 16. Maybe I'll touch on a little bit uh, in a moment. But he's the promise of the one who helps us, who comes alongside us. He's the one who will be with us forever. He's the spirit of truth, the one who guides us into all truth. He proves the world to be in the wrong about sin, about righteousness and judgment, it tells us in John's Gospel. He's the one who testifies about Jesus, and Jesus calls us also to testify about him. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes God known to us. He brings us the assurance that accompanies our knowledge and theology of him. He justifies us. Conversion is a work of the Spirit, and he's even at work, we'll hear in stories and testimonies, even from each of you, we know God at work before our salvation. He calls us, he pursues us. And the Holy Spirit helps us to live the Christian life, as I said, our day-to-day -day lives. What does that look like to be followers of Jesus, full of the Spirit of God? Dave Holden's done an excellent teaching series. Um, most of my notes are probably stolen from that this morning, but you can watch those. Uh, they're available in all good websites or mainly the Newground website, um, which is a very good website. Um, 
And he says this about the Holy Spirit. He says, the Holy Spirit remains a stranger to many because we continue to see him as an experience rather than a person. The Holy Spirit remains a stranger to many because we continue to see him as an experience rather than a person. As Ken and Steve have led us in uh, the last couple of weeks through Acts 1, um, we've seen uh, that the only difference, or we'll see today, the only difference between the disciples in Acts 1 and the disciples we encounter today is that the Holy Spirit comes. It's not about the experience of him. It's about him. We mustn't get so caught up in wanting to experience and feel things of him that we forget about him. It's about the pursuit of God. And so the coming of the Holy Spirit, it takes them from a knowledge of God. Again, we read through the Psalms, we know God is with us. And that was before this outpouring of the Spirit. We know God's with us. He's for us. He fights battles for us. And it takes them from that knowledge to an experience of him being with them, equipping and empowering them. So let's read together in Acts 2, uh, from verse 1, we'll read through to verse 13. Acts 2 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Here we go. Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Should we pray together? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your words. We thank you for this, this book within your, uh, within your scripture, Lord, within your words to us, Lord. We thank you for this book, for what we can learn, what we can see, what we read and hear. Lord, we thank you for the example of this early church that we get to learn from and grow from. Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit has come. Lord, we thank you that you poured out so generously the gift that comes uh, with the Holy Spirit. Lord, to build up your church, to strengthen believers, to empower us and equip us to do the work that you've called us to. Lord, we do pray that you transform our knowledge of you this morning into an ever-deepening relationship with you. Would you release gifts throughout this room this morning? for the building up of the church and the growth and advance of your kingdom here in Crawley and beyond. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we find ourselves at the beginning of Acts 2, in the same place we left off in at the end of Acts 1. 
uh, were in the same place in Jerusalem, in the upper room with 120 believers. And it's the day of Pentecost. Now, I don't know how many of you know the celebration of Pentecost, the festival. Um, I'll be honest, and I, until studying uh, this, I just thought it was the day, the name given to the, this day uh, referenced here. But actually, there's a, um, in Jewish tradition, um, there's a Jewish festival called Pentecost, or the week of, um, Feast of Weeks, sorry. And uh, the word Pentecost just means 50th, and it's the 50th day after Passover. And Passover, we know the significance of with Jesus, his, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. We've just read of his ascension just a couple of weeks ago, and the promise of the Holy Spirit to come. And so at this moment in the upper room with the 120, it wouldn't look dissimilar to this, I don't think, about 120, 150 of us here, so 120 people, and there was a dedication, an offering of the first fruits of Christ's followers. Again, the, the festival of Pentecost um, was a festival that, that took place at the time of the grain harvest uh, and was the feast of the first fruits, the dedication of the first sheaf of the wheat harvest. So this is a time where we see a dedication of the first fruits of the kingdom of God at work. And on that day, we'll come to find over the next few weeks, little spoiler alert for you, 3,000 people were added. 3,000 people harvested into the kingdom of God and given the great gift of eternal life. It's here that we see the first fruits of the Spirit at work. So we find them again all together with one common heart. They're constantly in prayer, Acts 1 tells us. We cannot underestimate the importance of prayer as believers. Being together with one heart and mind, as we are as a church, praising God, bringing our request before him, going for the things that he's called us to together. And then suddenly, as if it were out of the blue, but it's completely in God's timing, he knew what he was doing. He's trustworthy and faithful to fulfill his promises to us where he promises in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. He fulfills that promise here in the book of Acts chapter 2. We cannot make the Spirit come. He comes suddenly and he comes on his own terms. But this does not stop us praying and pursuing him. Nor does it mean that he needs persuading to come. He loves to come. He loves to dwell with his people he loves to be with us. So suddenly he comes. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. The Holy Spirit makes himself known in different ways to different people at different times. Why? Because he can. He's sovereign. He is wise. We've already mentioned the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire from uh, Exodus. And at Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus in bodily form, like a dove. Throughout Acts, the buildings shake, earthquakes take place, faces change. These are moments where God the Spirit shows us visible, audible, tangible demonstrations of himself, his power, and his presence. In this passage, he comes like a violent wind, and what seems to be tongues of fire. In all of these examples of the Spirit coming, 
we see that the description of the Spirit cannot be limited to natural constraints. He came like a violent wind and what seemed to be tongues of fire. He didn't come as actual wind or as fire, but what seemed. And there's a big lesson for us, I feel, in here, that we are never to constrain our supernatural God to our own natural constraints or restrictions. We must never confine our knowledge or experience of him to simply fit into our nice, neat God box. As Danny's encouraged us, let us be open to search for the unsearchable things. We're to be in awe and wonder, impressed by our God who is at work outside of the natural laws of physics and outside of the knowledge of human brains. Yet often he humbles himself and works within such things, but he also chooses to move in such a way that only he can. Jesus speaks to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night and he says this. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. There's a movement, again, there's a freedom of the Spirit to move as he pleases, to do what only he can do. The Greek word used here for wind is the same word that's used for breath uh, and for spirit. God breathes, he brings life, he speaks, he moves. Then we find what seem to be as tongues of fire. Fire speaks of cleansing, fire speaks of burning. We see the two chaps on the road to Emmaus, Emmaus uh, saying after they discovered Jesus was with them, didn't our hearts burn within us when he was with us? And this place, the disciples were set on fire for the gospel. These were tongues like fire that brought about speaking, and amazingly, some may say even supernaturally, speaking in other tongues or other languages. We trust the sovereign wisdom of God as to when and how he shows himself and to what he chooses to do in us and through us at those times. We're to be those who pursue the Holy Spirit and to hunger for his presence with us. When we pursue the Holy Spirit, we aren't pursuing an experience or a feeling or an emotion. But in saying this, what happens when we pursue God as the Holy Spirit and meet him is we experience things and we feel things. Let me say it again. When we pursue the Holy Spirit, we aren't pursuing an experience or a feeling. We're pursuing God. But in saying this, what happens when we meet God is we experience things and we feel things. So on the day of Pentecost, God's brought about something. He's given the gift of languages. He's fallen, he's filled the people, and people began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And just a, just a parallel to uh, some Old Testament, uh, back in Genesis 11, we read about uh, Babel and what God did there. And I really feel a sense, and as I was studying this, just drawn to the story of Babel uh, and what happened. So this, this just acts as a kind of reversal on that in God's great plan. So in Genesis 11, we read that the whole world had one language and that their plans, they were planning to make a name for themselves by building a tower that would make a name for themselves. And God caused them to confuse, uh, God 
caused them to be confused. He confused their language and then he scattered them all over the earth. And so we see here that God releases a gift of languages that enables Jews from all over the world to hear the wonders of God in their own language. God is so concerned for each of us, his love and pursuit for us, that he would enable the Spirit to give the gift of languages. It enables us to share the gospel and to be witnesses. He gives us power to speak. We'll find out as we continue reading through this book of Acts just how much of an impact that has on the spread of the gospel and on the growth of the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit empowers and equips us for a purpose. The purpose of the Spirit coming, we've already read in Acts 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So here we are in Jerusalem, not, not today, in Acts 2, with a promise of receiving the Holy Spirit at a time where Jews from across the world were gathered in for the festival of Pentecost. And we've got a list of nations, some of which harder to pronounce than others, from which many have travelled. And the immediate result of the Holy Spirit coming is that visitors to Jerusalem are able to hear the wonders of God in their native language. Isaiah 61 tells us, um, and Jesus uses this in, um, in his ministry as well when he's in the temple. He reads it. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners. And we fast forward 2,000 years and we look at ourselves here in Crawley. We receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us. And we are called to be witnesses here in Crawley and beyond. Our vision to be a diverse church who are equipped to impact the local community and beyond is rooted in the scriptures. We have a God who loves unconditionally and sent his son to die for all of us. This is the same God who empowers us and commands us to be his witnesses. He doesn't call us to do it on his own, our own. He empowers us to do so. We see within Crawley as we walk around the town a similar gathering of the nations to what we see here in uh, Acts 2. A town of great diversity and a town with great opportunity for us to be witnesses. So what kind of response can we expect to receive when, when we go out and share the gospel when we are filled with the Spirit and proclaim the good news, proclaim wonders of God? Well, there were two main responses here. Point one, they were utterly amazed and perplexed. Point two, they made fun of them and said that they were drunk. We mustn't therefore be surprised when we meet the same sort of responses. When people encounter the truth of the gospel, we find both those who are utterly amazed and perplexed and we find those who make fun. That's okay. And then you've got others who are somewhere in between that. Both responses are okay. We're to be faithful and obedient to this commission that we've received. We have to be witnesses, to make disciples, to baptise people in the name of the Father, the Son and the Spirit. But the work of salvation belongs to God. It's a work of the Spirit. We're to spur and encourage one another on towards this 
to step out with simple courage and obedience in sharing the good news of Jesus. But we're not to do it alone. We do it in partnership with and empowered by God, the Holy Spirit. One other thing it it raises from Acts 2 is it gets them to ask the question, what does this mean? They're hearing many different languages. We'll go on to find it's only early in the morning, so they're probably not drunk. And so they ask the question, what does this mean? Either they've had too much wine, which we find out they haven't, or they've been filled with the Spirit who enables them to speak in many languages, to share the good news of God, the wonders of God. And there's that same question for us today, what does this mean? We're invited to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We're invited and told that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit as followers of Jesus. If he is a person, and he is, then we can have a relationship with him. And if you're a follower of Jesus here today, and you haven't yet been baptised in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, there's an invitation for you this morning. Baptism means to be clothed or drenched or fully immersed. As Ali said this morning, we're going to have baptisms, water baptism, in two weeks' time. We're going to get people into a pool of water. We're going to ask them the question, have you accepted Jesus as your saviour and given your life to him? Have you turned your life around from where you were going? Have you asked forgiveness of your sins? And when the answer is yes, we baptise them. We put them under the water And back up, there's a drenching, there's a clothing, there's a a full immersion. And we see that referenced here in the the parallel with the Spirit. There's baptism of water and baptism of the Spirit. When we come to Jesus, we're born of the Spirit. But we may not have been baptised in the Spirit. Through our Acts, we see conversion and water baptism and baptism in the Spirit as inseparable. The expectation is that if you're following Jesus, you are baptised in water and you're baptised in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Spirit opens the door for an ongoing filling of the Spirit. It gives us a hunger and a desire for more of the Spirit. The Spirit brings freedom. Corinthians tells us that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We've heard this morning, there's freedom for us as followers of Jesus. There's chains that can be broken by the powerful name of Jesus. And the Spirit brings about this liberty. Because we've received the truth that sets us free, we live in freedom. It allows us to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, gifts of prophecy, knowledge, wisdom, distinguishing between spirits, tongues and interpretation, faith, healing and miracles. We often see those gifts shared within the church, for the encouragement of one another, for the building of the church. It will bring about more fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And against such thing, there is no law. Spirit comes to bring freedom. Primarily, though, the Holy Spirit comes to bring us power for us to be witnesses. Again, we can share prophecy We can encourage one another. We can see all the signs and wonders that we want. But it comes for us to be witnesses to those around us, those who don't know Jesus. Power is the person of the Spirit and not an experience or a demonstration. 
When we are filled with the Spirit, we're filled with power, power to be witnesses, to share the good news of Jesus, and to see the kingdom of God established, growing, advancing, winning back ground from an enemy who is defeated. The more we spend time with the person of the Holy Spirit, the more we will receive and know his power. How do we receive it? Well, it's a promise. It's by faith that we receive it. The only condition or qualification is that we are children of God. And we know our God gives good gifts to his children. And the gift of the Spirit will be the greatest gift that you can receive. For many of us, it's the greatest gift we've ever received. And so if you're not a child of God as yet, there's an invitation for you today to give your life to Jesus, to accept the gift of salvation, to acknowledge your sin and turn away from it, and into a relationship with our Heavenly Father.